Well, good morning, Bethel. Let's pray as we come to God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can praise you, the God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your Word. We are eager to hear from you. And God, I want to ask that you would shine upon each and every one of our hearts today that you would do truly heart surgery, soul surgery, so that every single one of us would know that we know that we know that we've come to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and that we would rejoice in it as we come out of our time here in God's Word. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. On July 26, 2001, a man changed my life. Changed my life forever. On, on that day, that man, I, I've never been the same, truly and deeply. I, I'd never heard of this man before, never seen him, never knew anything about him. And, and, and now, if he were ever to kind of be asked about me, he, he would never know who I am. We never got to exchange even names or pleasantries. And, and if I'm totally honest, if I ran into him today on the street, I, I wouldn't even know who he is. I don't remember his face or even the sound of his voice. But he changed my life forever. I, I say he changed me, but, but maybe it would be a little more accurate to say that, that the message he shared on that day changed me forever. The, the words that he articulated, the, the message that he declared that I heard, actually that a whole bunch of us heard, and I was in this group when he spoke, changed me like no other message has ever changed me before. And today, I am so excited because I want to share with you the message that changed me over 20 years ago. We've been walking through this teaching series over the last number of weeks in the book of Romans, looking into this amazing book in the, in the Bible called the Letter to the Romans. And we have come today to the message that changed my life 21 years ago. And I am praying that it is going to have the same impact on your life as it did on mine. So grab your Bibles out and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read through all of our passage today, and then we're going to walk through it verse by verse. Romans chapter 23, beginning in verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that 
of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Here's how I am going to summarize this last half of chapter 3 from the book of Romans. It's the the big idea for our text. If there's one kind of sentence takeaway that you want to remember from today, it would be this. God has made a way for anyone and everyone to be righteous. Here's the way. Faith in Jesus. I want to invite you today from your home, wherever you are, whatever time it is that you're watching, whatever your journey has been, I want to invite you to two things today. I want to invite you to receive this good news and to rejoice in this good news. God has made a way for anyone and everyone, including you, to be righteous. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you unapologetically, joyfully to receive and to rejoice in this good news. That's where we're going today. And so as we get into God's word, you may not immediately have realized it when we read through that passage, but but within that passage, there are two words in those 11 verses that each come up nine times in these short 11 verses. Two words that are repeated each nine times in our text. And each week when I prepare to um, get into God's word and to study and to to develop a sermon, there's a number of steps I kind of walk through. And one of the first ones is, is I go to whatever portion of God's word we're looking at and I actually dig into it and study it word by word in the original language. In the book of Romans, this letter was originally written in Greek. And so I've got this you know, amazing computer program on my computer that I dive into. And I go through in the original Greek, the very words that God originally penned through the Apostle Paul in this case, and go word by word through to really dig in and study and understand and learn from each word. And then you start to put the words together into the sentences and see what is the flow of thought that is here. And then you see sentence after sentence and you study through the logic and flow of thought in the text and you see what sort of words are repeated, what sort of themes come up, what sort of connections they have to other parts of Scripture. And and one of the things that's a key point for you to pick up on as you study through the Word of God, and one of the ways you maybe notice, I'll zero in on certain key things God's wanting to teach us, is where he emphasizes certain words, certain themes, certain thoughts. In our text here today, there are these two words that just jump off the pages of this chapter because in 11 verses, the words come up nine times each. And they are the very heart, these two words, of this life-changing message. This message that changed my life forever and I am praying is going to change your life too. The first word is the word righteous. Righteous. You may not have immediately seen this one because the word in Greek for righteous can be translated into both a couple different English words. 
It can be translated into the word righteous or right. It can also be translated into the word just or, or justice, righteousness, justice, justified, justification, depending on, you know, the, the, um, the translator and, and whether it's, you know, a verb or a noun or an adjective, you, you might get slightly different things, but it's, it's all the same word in the original language. Verse 21, let me just point out some of these really quickly run through. But now a righteousness from God has been made known. Verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith. Verse 24, all are justified, that's the same word, righteous, all are made righteous or justified freely by his grace. Verse 25, God presents to Jesus to demonstrate his justice. That's the same word, to demonstrate his rightness. Verse 26, he did this to demonstrate his justice. That's the word at the present time, so as to be just. There it is again. And the one who justifies. Three times there in verse 26. Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified or made right by faith. Verse 30, since there is only one God who will justify or make right the circumcised. Righteousness nine times in these 11 verses is here. It's like God is trying to drive home this point, this thought, this word, this concept of righteousness. And it is such a, a deep, rich, multifaceted concept that comes to us and we see in this word. It's, it speaks in part to one's very nature, the very identity that one has, who they are. It also speaks and has uh, to the sense of position that one holds, the, the status. How does one measure up? is conveyed in this word righteousness. And then, then it also carries, in addition to kind of our identity and our position, it also has this sense of relationship and intimacy and connection. And so all of this is brought together and it really articulates the very deep core fundamental truths of our souls. At the core of your being and my being, we all, we long to be right. We long to be right. We long for our identity, who, who we are, right? Who we, who we understand ourselves to be, our very nature. We long to have that worked out right, don't we? Don't we? I mean, we, we just feel so out of sorts, this sort of dissonance that might be in us when we're not sure about really who we are and, and the nature of who we are. We're longing after the sense of just having peace, when I think of my own identity and knowing who I am, right? We, we long for this sense of rightness when it comes to our security. I, I mean, to feel like our, our status, our position in life relative to other people, relative to God, that it's solid. The, the thought of standing on shaky ground in any kind of setting in life or, or is the rug about to get ripped out from under my feet is unsettling for all of us. All of the time. We, we long to know how we measure up, right? We, we all, every single one of us, long to be in right relationship. We all, we all crave after being with others 
and have a sense of fulfillment. From the most extroverted to the most introverted, we yearn for relationship. Relationship with others and relationship with our maker. And to be at peace in right relationship. This picture of righteousness is all wrapped up in those, those concepts come together in this word righteous. Verse 21, it says, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The law and the prophets, that shorthand that the Apostle Paul would use for the scriptures, the Old Testament. And he's saying there is now a righteousness that the old law and prophets were, were pointing to, were testifying to, were, were looking ahead to and telling that there would come a day and there would come a time when, when rightness for all would be available. The deepest rightness of our souls and that day has been made known, friends. That's the message of this text. That day where all the desire for rightness in your soul that you long for, in your identity, in your security, in your relationship is available, the day has come. But here's the first thing we all need to know from God's word today. There is nothing you can do to make yourself righteous. Let me say that again. There is nothing you can do to make yourself right. Verse 21, it says there, now a righteousness from God has been made known. This is not from ourselves, not from you, not from me, not from anything we can do. It is from God. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are out of sorts and we feel this deep inner sense, every single one of us, of being out of sorts, of not being right in our identity, in our, our status and security, in our relationships. And that's really the whole point of the last two and a half chapters of the book of Romans that we've been looking through. I mean, isn't that what just keeps coming out these last number of weeks? We we first of all have chased off, the world has chased after all kinds of other ways of living and gone off the tracks and it's turned into colossal chaos and pain and failure. That was really the message of the end of chapter one, right? And then the call of chapter two was, was that we, we, in our pride, have blinders on our eyes and we don't even see how we are walking hypocrites, every single one of them. So we can look around at the world and say, man, look how messed up they are, except we do the very same things in our own hearts and souls. And then chapter three, the whole point was to say every single one of us, we have all become deadly sick with the sickness of sin. It has permeated every single one of our beings right to our very souls. The reason why you and I do not feel right, we are unsettled in our souls, is because you and I have sinned. 
as verse 23 said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are trying like crazy to make ourselves right, but there is nothing you can do or I can do to make ourselves righteous. The ancient mathematician Pascal is famous for having said this statement, a God-shaped vacuum exists in the heart of each and every man and woman. We all have this hole, this gap in our hearts that is the shape of God, and we try to fill it with all kinds of other things, but only God will fill the void, the vacuum in our hearts. We have a sickness, and there is only one cure. Now, you can go to as many other experts to try and bring you healing. You can try as many other treatments as you want. You can pop as many pills for your soul as you think might satisfy. But there is one cure, and there is only one cure for the sickness that is within our souls. The throats of our souls are parched, longing for a drink. And we are, are sitting out in a boat in the middle of the ocean. And in one sense, you could look all around you and there's water everywhere. But you know when your throat is parched, you can't drink salt water, right? Because it will only make you more thirsty. You can grab as much water around you as you want, but none of it will satisfy that longing and thirst in your soul. Sin has left us with this incredible stain all over our souls. And no matter how many different things you try to, to rub and scrub and clean out and grab a, you know, a soul magic eraser to wash your soul clean, nothing will ever Work. There is nothing that you can do, that I can do, to make us, to make ourselves righteous. Near the end of this chapter, we read in verse 28, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. A man or woman is declared justified or is declared right, not by observing the law. There it's even talking about all the good things you can do in the name of God, following all the rules laid out in the scriptures, going to church, avoiding all kinds of bad and evil things, checking off my good religious duties checklist, praying the prayer, singing the songs, memorizing the Bible, volunteering to help people out, putting money in the offering plate, making meals for people when they're sick. Like all of these things, they are fine and well and good things, but they will never make you righteous, friends. They will never give you deep down in your soul what you are longing for. They will never fill the hole. They will never cure the sickness. They will never quench the thirst. They will never wash you clean. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself righteous. But hear this. 
Because the second part of what we see from our text today, the second part of the amazing life-changing message of this text today from God's word is this. Jesus, hear this friends, has done everything to make you righteous. Jesus has done everything to make you and I righteous. Verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is a way for you to be right, to be righteous. There is a way to not only have the longing of your soul filled, to have the thirst of your soul quenched, to have the stains of your soul removed, but to have right relationship with the creator of the universe. There is a way that has now been revealed. Jesus has done everything, everything to make you righteous. Yes, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But keep reading, friends, because all can be made right. All of those who are the same men and women who have gone astray, gone off the tracks, lived as hypocrites, been counted as sick with sin to the very core of their being, all of those can also be justified. That's the word, righteous. All can be made right, verse 24, freely by his grace, God's grace, through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Jesus came to redeem us, to rescue us. And verse 25 says, God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Jesus has done everything to make you righteous. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the eternal God of the universe, God's very Son, came to earth and lived here amongst us. Fully God, yes. Fully man, yes. He was born a baby, surrounded by the broken world that we all live in, the broken world that's gone off the tracks, the broken world that's consumed with pride in its own unrighteousness, but he was not swept up in any of that. Everyone around him in their nature was not right. Everyone around him in their status was marred by the penalty and, and realities of sin. Everyone around him had broken relationships because of their sin. But Jesus was not sucked into any of that. He lived perfect. He lived a right and perfect life in every single way. His identity was right as the son of God, and he lived in right relationship as that son of God. His, his very nature was right. His, his very position and status with God was maintained because he obeyed everything God told him and called him to do. His relationship with God was perfect in every single way. He lived in complete and total perfection in his identity, his position, and his relationship with God. He walked rightly. He experienced the fullness of all that it is to be right. And he did all of that so that at the end of his life, he could go to the cross and be made an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, friends, two things needed to happen 
two things need to happen. First, our unrighteousness needed to be dealt with and held to account. God is the ultimate one who is right. God is the ultimate source and definition, and his very character is right. And in his justice, as a right judge, he can never let sin, the heinous acts of sin, go unpunished. I mean, if you think about it in our terms, no judge, no judge would ever go through an entire trial, hear all the evidence that this person is a, a serial killer, God, the whole case is laid out before him, it's unequivocally there, the, the person even stands up and says, yeah, I've done it, the judge rules he's guilty, and then calls out to the bailiff and says, all right, you can let him go free, just walk out the doors. No judge would ever do that. Why? Because that is not right. That is not just. See, when something wrong has been done, the right act of justice is to hold it to account. And so on the one hand, God, the right judge, looks at all the unrighteousness that we have done, that we walked through in chapter one and saw where the world has gone off the tracks and not listen to God's ways, but said, I'm going to go a different way. Where, where the unrighteousness of chapter 2 in a self-righteousness, thinking I'm better than everybody else around the world, looking down my nose, but living in a life of hypocrisy, even though I claim to be somebody of the people of God, living the exact same way the rest of the world is living. When, when God looks at chapter 3, he talks about how the whole world has sinned and fallen short. There is no one is righteous. No, not one. When God sees all of this and you and I see in ourselves the unrighteousness, we find ourselves in the pages of chapter 1 and 2 and 3, he, he cannot look at us and say, oh, just go free. Because that would not be right. So on the one hand, God is a right, just judge. At the same time, God is also, our God, the God of the scriptures, is a God of love and mercy and kindness. Our God, the God of the scriptures, delights to lavish as a heavenly father his open arms to his wayward children. He loves to welcome in broken and rebellious people who come running back to him. He loves to offer forgiveness and kindness and mercy and grace upon those. Here's the problem. Here's the question. Here's the dilemma. How can God be both of these things? They are both fruits. They are both displays. They are both manifestations of his character, which is right. His rightness to judge and hold to account all that is wrong and his rightness to love and pour forth kindness and mercy. But how does he look at me or you? How do they both get dealt with? Because I deserve to be punished, but God desires to forgive both. How did these work together? How did these meet? How did these connect? How do we understand these two things that seem like they are at odds? Here's the answer, friends. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus on the cross is where these two things that seem to be a dilemma are reconciled together. 
Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice of atonement. He gave his perfect right life up on the cross to receive all of the punishment for the unrighteousness that we have done. So all of the punishment for our unrighteousness was laid upon Jesus. And then Jesus offers up to you and I as a marvelous gift of his kindness, all of his righteousness that he earned and stored up and has in his identity. That's what verse 25 says. Let me read it again for us. God did this to demonstrate his justice, his rightness, because in his forbearance he left had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time. So to be the one who is just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus made the way for us to be made righteous. Doing what we could never do. He took our punishment and gave us his riches. Jesus did all the work to make you right. Jesus has done everything you need to be righteous, to make you righteous. Because of our sin, the real and true us is marred. Our identity is marred on our own. We are children of wrath. We are chasing after the poison fruit of sin. But Jesus offers up to us a new identity as righteous and spotless. Because of our sin on our own, our position is enemies with God. That's our status. That's our standing. Left to ourselves, we sit under his right and fair judgment as guilty sinners. But Jesus offers a way for us to be forgiven, his blood for our sins. Jesus offers us standing as justified, right, reconciled, totally forgiven men and women before the holy God of the universe. Because of our sin, our unright acts and hearts have ripped to shreds the relationship we were made to have with God. But Jesus in his perfect righteousness and death on the cross, has made it possible for that relationship to be redeemed, to be re reconciled, for us to be brought back into intimacy and relationship with the God who loves us and who made us. Jesus has done everything to make you and I righteous. All that you and I long for is found in being right with God. Having a relationship with the God who made us, being his reconciled children, and Jesus has done all to make this possible. All you need, all you need, all I need for this to be ours is to put our faith in him. Remember I said there was Two words in this text that are, that are mentioned nine times. One is righteous. The second word that comes up over and over and over and over and over again nine times in this text. Do you know what it is? You guess it? Faith. Faith. Verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith 
in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Verse 25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Verse 26, God is the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. That's just a few of the times that this comes up again. Faith, faith, faith. The only way to receive what you are longing for and I am longing for, that rightness of our souls, that rightness before God, the only way to have right standing is if we accept Jesus by faith. God has put forward his hands of this gracious gift, but we must each individually trust in him. We must each individually give our lives to him. The call today, here friends, this amazing message, the greatest message you will ever hear, begins with a call to first receive this gift. We see here numerous times that this offer is available to everyone and anyone. Verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. There's no distinction available to everyone. For all have sinned, verse 23 said, and it implies all are justified in verse 24. Verse 29, is God the God of the Jews only? No, no, he's not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of the Gentiles too. The right, this gift of righteousness is available for all. God has made a way for everyone and anyone to be righteous. It's faith in Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, no matter how far awry you feel like you have gone, no matter how much filth you feel like is upon your soul, no matter how distant you have been from church or how long you have been coming to church, all you need to do is have faith in Jesus. And Jesus has come to give you everything you need. He's done it all on your behalf already. You just need to trust in him. And so I have to ask you today, even as you sit there at home, and I don't know if you're watching on your phone or on your computer or listening to the podcast or watching through Rogers TV or where you are, but I have to ask you this. Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you received the gift that is made possible through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ to be right? You can. This very moment, this very day, as we conclude our service in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And from your home at this moment, you can make the decision for today to be the day, just like it was for me on July 26, 2001, where your life is forever changed. You can receive this good news of being right, your soul being right, you being right before God. If you would give your life to Jesus, if you would say, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that your death was my atoning sacrifice. I give my life to you. Today can be that day, friends. And then here's the second thing that our text calls us out to. 
If today you've made that decision or you make that decision or if you made that decision 21 days ago, 21 years ago, whenever it was, the second thing this text leads us to is not only to receive this gift but to rejoice in this amazing good news today, friends. To rejoice in the fact that my identity was once marred and I was a child of wrath running headlong towards the, the gates of hell, but God has called me home and Jesus has done everything to make me a son or a daughter of the living God. He has reconciled me to God that my status was an enemy of God, but I am now called his child and his friend, that my relationship with God was marred and broken to pieces, but it has now been made right by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friends, Come and rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice because of the amazing good news, the life-changing message, the gift that is yours and mine and all who have received the gift of rightness, righteousness, justification through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, friends, let us bow together and let us pray. Oh, gracious God, what an amazing message that you've given to us here in this part of your scripture. How incredible is it that everyone and anyone who comes and puts their faith in Jesus Christ can be made right. And right now, as we from our homes gather together like this, we want to pray. And if you are at home right now and your heart is wanting to get right with God, you can pray from your home right now, just along with me. You just pray out, God, I believe in you. I believe and I confess that I have turned away from you and I have been poisoned by sin and I've chosen that way of living. But I believe that you sent your son to die for me. That he is my atoning sacrifice and I want to give my life to him. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and for making me right through Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer today, if you cry, there's no special words to what I've just shared, but if, if that's the cry of your heart, God will hear you. And this very moment can be your life-changing day. Oh God, I thank you that you hear us when we pray. We can rejoice in the faith that comes through Jesus Christ, the rightness that is made possible in our own souls and with you. Would you give the gift of that faith to every single person that is hearing and joining us today? In Jesus' name, amen.